my kids have asked this question through the years. When we celebrate Mother's Day in May and then Father's Day in June, my kids begin to put two and two together. And they ask a question like this. When is Kids' Day? My answer, every day is Kids' Day. Every day you get what you need. Every day you are watched over. Every day you're taken care of. Every day is Kids' Day. Well, for a Christian, in a sense, every day is Kids' Day. Through Jesus Christ, we are adopted children of God. And we experience the privilege, the benefit, the blessing of being God's sons and daughters. Every day is Kids' Day, right? But also, in a sense, for the Christian, every day should be Father's Day. Where we recognize what it means to call the God of the universe Father. And we see this emphasis in the book of Galatians. So turn there with me, Galatians chapter 4. We are continuing our study, line by line, verse by verse, this wonderful New Testament letter. The book of Galatians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to churches scattered throughout the first century Roman province of Galatia. And in the providence of God, on Father's Day, we are talking about what it means to call our God Father. So we're in Galatians chapter 4. We studied this passage last week, but we didn't have time to really dig into verse 6. So I'm going to just jump right into verse 6 this morning. We're going to read it together, and then we will begin to look into it. So I want to ask you, if you're physically able this morning, to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. How about that music this morning? It's nice little songs, weren't they? Nice Amen. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we come into your presence today mindful of our need for you. We believe with all of our hearts that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. So Lord, as we study your word, I pray that you would fill me with your Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would work in the hearts of the hearers, that our eyes might be opened that we would see the truths of Scripture and that we would have a desire to obey. That you would incline our hearts to respond to what you are saying to us today. We love you, we praise you, we exalt you. We're grateful for the privilege of corporate worship. And we ask that you would help us in these moments to, to just lift up the strong name of Jesus. And lift up, Lord, the the blessings of the doctrine of adoption. And we'll thank you and praise you, Lord, for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. 
Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Last week as we studied uh, chapter 4 verses 1 through 7, we contrasted what it means to be a slave and a son before you meet Christ. You're trying to save yourself. You are in bondage to trying to save yourself. You're in bondage to your sin, in bondage to Satan. So you are a slave. But when you meet Christ, you're set free and you become a son of God. We talked about that last week. And we said last week that eternal and abundant life is found in a relationship with God as Father, not in empty religious practice. That's where true life is found when you know Christ and can call God Father. So last week we discussed the doctrine of adoption. And last week we really focused on our position in Christ, the reality that in Christ we are sons and daughters of God, that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We talked about how our adoption will never be rescinded. Once we're adopted, we will always be adopted. So we talked a lot about the position of adoption, but we didn't talk much last week about the experience of adoption. What does it look like to be a child of God day in and day out? Well, that's what verse 6 alludes to. Verse 6 gives us some information as to how we live out or how we experience our position of adoption. So I want to just ask the question, answer it from God's Word. How do we experience adoption? And I've only got two answers to that question. It's a two-point sermon. We'll be through in about ten minutes. And so you laugh, but... But just two answers to the question, how do we experience adoption? Number one, we see in this text the confirmation of adoption. The confirmation of adoption. Notice what it says there in verse 6. He's contrasting slaves and sons, what it means to be a son of God through Jesus Christ, his finished work. He says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son. Notice the interrelatedness of the Trinity here. God the Father sending the Spirit, who's related to Jesus the Son. He sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This speaks of the confirmation of adoption, what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives on a daily basis. Here's what you need to understand. When we are saved, when we meet Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, at the moment of conversion... God sends his spirit to live in our hearts. That's what he says there in verse 6. He says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son, where? Into our hearts. That means that the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, has come to take up residence in us. He indwells us. He lives in us. He is living on the inside. So when we are saved, God sends his spirit to live in our hearts. Now just think about that just for a moment. If you are a born-again Christian, if you are a, a, a follower of Christ, God himself dwells in you. And if that's true, and it is, things are going to look different by and by. And so if you're saved, the Spirit of God lives in your heart. He's on the inside. He's doing some work in your life. Now, here's what's interesting. As we continue our journey through Galatians, we're going to talk a lot about what the Spirit does in our lives. We're talking about the, the fruit of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit and, and all of that. But, but right now, he, he, he gives us some specific information about what the Spirit's doing. He, he hones in on one aspect of what the Spirit does on the inside. Here, here it is. You ready? The Spirit testifies to us 
so that we are assured that we are children of God. The Spirit testifies to us so that we are assured that we are children of God. He says it there in verse 6, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Now, Romans chapter 8 gives some information as to what the Spirit is doing in our heart in relation to our adoption. In Romans 8, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Very similar to what he says here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. But then Romans says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That word bears witness is the word for testifies. So the Spirit of God is living in us, working on the inside, testifying, proclaiming, bearing witness that we are children of God. That, listen, that's what the Holy Spirit of God is doing in your life right now. That's what he's going to do tomorrow. And that's what he's going to do next month. He lives in you. He'll always live in you. And because he lives in you, he will testify. He will bear witness that you are a child of God. He will help you to grow in your assurance of your position in Christ. Timothy George, the New Testament scholar, writes, The Holy Spirit is the sign and pledge of our adoption so that by his presence in our hearts we are truly convinced that God is for us, not against us. That indeed he is our heavenly father. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit living in us is to testify to your spirit that you're a child of God. That, that's what he does. He gives us growing assurance that God is our father. He's for us, not against us, which leads to the next phrase, and this is important. The Spirit helps us, this is, this is kind of tricky for some Christians, the Spirit helps us feel our adoption. Listen to me, God is not just after your mind, even though he wants you to believe truth, he's after your affections too. He's after your heart, he wants you to worship in spirit and in truth. He wants you to love him with your mind, yes, but he also wants you to love him with your heart. And because of that, one of the things the Spirit of God does in you is he helps you to experience your adoption. He helps you to, to feel your adoption. Now, in Galatians 4, verse 6, it says, he spent, sent the Spirit of the Son into our hearts. In Romans 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. So these phrases, in our hearts, with our spirit, speaks of Him engaging us at the emotional level, the level of our affections, the level of our delight and, and joy and desire and experience. The Spirit of God wants you to feel your adoption. He works to convince us so that we feel experientially what is true positionally. It's one thing to say, I'm a child of God. It's another thing to feel it and to be excited about it and to have your eyes well up with tears because of it. That's an entirely different deal. We can talk about 
the doctrine of adoption, but we should also have our hearts overflow with joy that we are adopted in Christ. Charles Spurgeon says it like this, Oh, matchless mystery. Had it never been revealed, adoption, the doctrine of adoption, it never would have been imagined. We couldn't have come up with this. And now that it is revealed, it never would have been believed if it had not become a matter of actual experience to those who were in Christ Jesus. It would be hard for us to fathom calling God Father if it were not for the work of the Spirit helping us to feel it. Let me give you an illustration to help drive this home. We talked last week about many of the families in our church that have gone through the journey of adoption to bring a new child into their home. We talked about the, the, the legal declaration that's made where someone in authority overseas or in a domestic sense, someone in authority makes a legal declaration, this child is now a part of your family. And what a momentous occasion that is. There is the, the legal declaration that they're in this family, but it doesn't stop there, does it? After the legal declaration comes what? Hugs. Nurture. Care. Tenderness. So that child, who may not even get that they're legally part of the family, they may not, may, may not be old enough to understand all of that. But they know that they are loved. Why? Because of the nurture and the care and the concern that makes them, watch this, feel like part of the family. That's what the Spirit of God does in your life and my life. He helps us to feel our position in Christ. He helps us to feel our adoption. He helps us to experience what it means to call God Father and to be, to be excited about it. And so here in this text, we see the, the confirmation of adoption. One of the roles of the Spirit is to give you growing assurance, growing confidence in your life that you are a child of God. And I'll just, I'll just say this. If you are truly born again, you should have more confidence in your position than you did 10 years ago because of the ongoing work of the Spirit as He helps you to, to experience your adoption and grow in assurance that you are indeed a child of God. But there's a second thing I want you to see here. How do we experience adoption? First of all, there's the confirmation of adoption. The Spirit of God does that. But then there's the cry of adoption. This is how you and I begin to live out what it means to be a, a child of God. Look back with me in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says, Because you are, are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So it seems like the Spirit is is pointing us to the reality that God's our Father by crying, Abba, Father, in our hearts within, so that we cry out. He cries within, we cry without. He does a work to, to, to give us confidence in our position, and then we, as a result of that confidence and assurance, we cry out to God, Abba, Father. We actually relate to Him as children relate to their Father. I want you to see 
some things about this cry of adoption, this Abba, Father. First of all, this cry is intimate. This cry is intimate. Notice what it says there in verse 6. It says, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now that word Abba, everyone say Abba. That word Abba is an Aramaic word which is equivalent to our English word Papa. It's not the formal Father. It is, it is the informal uh, name in, in Semitic culture that a child would use in addressing their father in the household. Loanida, Greek scholars say that Abba is the language of children, a daily but polite form of address to the father. So it's reverent, it's, it's polite, it recognizes the, the authority of the father, but it's also uh, intimate in that the child understands they can talk to their father in this way. It's a form of address to the father in a household. F.F. Bruce writes, it's the domestic term by which a father was called in the affectionate intimacy of the family circle. That's this word, Abba. It's not formal. It's not a religious term. It is a term of a child who knows that their father is their father and wants them to come to him. Abba. It's an intimate family term. It's a relational term. You only use this when you understand that your father desires you to come to him. That's the word here, Abba. Now, my three-year-old Connor, he wanted something this week. He wanted a Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie. Can I get a witness? That's what he wanted. We had some, and, and they were out of his reach, so he wanted oatmeal cream pie. Now, Connor didn't come up to me and say, Dear Father, leader of our household, a wise and beneficent provider for your progeny, will you please procure for me a succulent and sweet pastry? That's not what he said. He said, Dad! Like the house is on fire. Dad! Will you get me an oatmeal pie? You know what I did? I got him an oatmeal pie. I had the kids that morning. Claire wasn't there. He had it for breakfast. Don't, don't, don't tell her. Don't tell anybody. You do what you got to do sometimes, right? I was in a hurry. But I understood that when he cried out, Dad, I want an oatmeal pie. I understood that he knows I'm his dad. He knows I'm his father. He relates to me as a child, and he knows he can come to me with his needs and even his wants. That word dad, sometimes he calls me daddy, sometimes dad, is Abba. It's the same, same idea. Same idea here, Abba, father. Now, isn't it amazing that the Spirit works in us to cause us to cry that out to God? In other words... God wants us to address him like that. He wants us to get below the surface of religion and vain, empty ritual. And he wants us to understand that we are his children and we can actually say to him, Abba, Father. This cry is intimate. 
this cry is intimate. Do you have that kind of relationship with God where you understand what it means to be a child of God and, and you come to him like that? Your needs, your, your concerns, your request, a confidence that he hears you and wants you to come. Do you, do you have that? This cry is intimate. Secondly, this cry is dependent. This cry is dependent. Verse 6, because your son's God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, where does this phrase, Abba, Father, come from? Why would, why would the spirit of God suggest we use this term in addressing God? Well, would it surprise you to know that Jesus himself used this term? In one of the critical moments of his life, Turn to Mark chapter 14 with me very quickly. Mark 14. I want to show you this. This is so important to help us understand what it means to be a child of God. Mark chapter 14. Look what it says in verse 32. The Bible says they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Jesus was in great mental, emotional anguish. Why? He knew the cross was coming. The cross where Jesus would go and take on all of our sin, all of our wickedness, all of our impurity. Where he would hang there from 9 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon bearing the wrath of God that we guilty sinners deserve. He knew he would go to the cross and take our punishment for us. He knew that on the cross, there would come a moment where he would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he considers this prospect, he's in deep mental anguish. In verse 34, he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, don't miss this. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. As Jesus faced the cross in a moment of sheer agony and anguish, how does he address God? Abba, Father. The same term the Spirit is working in us to cry out to God. The cry, Abba, Father, is the son's cry of distress to his loving, heavenly Father. It's his way of addressing his Father in his greatest time of need. I came across a, a quote uh, this past week by a man named Todd Wilson that spoke of Jesus using Abba, Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was really convicting for me. And God did some, some things in my life as I read through this quote and considered this passage and considered Galatians chapter 4 and what it means to be a child of God. Todd Wilson says this cry of Jesus, Abba Father, in the garden is, is a cry of intimacy and dependence, but it is even more fundamentally a cry, a, listen, a response to pain. 
something one utters in the face of suffering or in the midst of hardship. And he goes on to write, God's adopted children have it then a very distinctive cry. They have a distinctive way of responding to life's challenges. The distinctive thing is not that God's children have fewer challenges. We know that's not true, right? Nor is it that God's children don't grieve or experience disappointment. Instead, the distinctive thing about God's children is this. When they cry, they make a different sound than those who aren't God's children. When, when faced with suffering, whether great or small, God's children turn to their Heavenly Father and cry out to Him, Abba, Father, and by faith they expect their Heavenly Father to hear and respond to their cry. I read that far and I was like, Amen. But then I kept reading. And Todd Wilson asked this question. Have you listened to yourself cry lately? What do you sound like when you are faced with difficulties or hardships or sufferings or setbacks? If we heard a recording of your response to some recent difficulty in your life, what would we hear? Would we hear the sound, Abba, Father? Or would we hear grumbling? Or even the gnashing of teeth? And finally, he says, all too often the children of God get into difficulties in life and start to cry as well they should. But it's not the distinctive cry of his adopted sons and daughters. Instead, it sounds like the cry of those who don't know God is their father. It's, it's not the cry of intimacy and dependence. Instead, it's the cry of indignation and desperation. In a moment of utter darkness, Jesus cried out, Abba, Father. So here's the question, and, and Lord worked my life this week on this question. When you experience something difficult, when you experience a setback, what does your cry sound like? Is it Abba, Father, in faith that he hears and will respond, or is it I'm angry. I'm frustrated. This isn't right. That's not fair. Is it indignation? Or is it the sound of a child who truly believes that God is their father? Is it a cry of dependence? I want to show you a third thing about this cry. It's intimate, it's dependent. But third, this cry is confident. Look in verse 6 of Galatians 4. He says there in that verse, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, notice that word cry there. Crying, Abba, Father. That word crying is the Greek word kratso. It denotes a loud or earnest cry. It's found over, same words found over in Matthew 9, 27, where some blind men are sitting on the roadside, and they hear that Jesus is walking by, and they want to see, and so they cry out. They don't say, Jesus, 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 hey, Jesus, if you could help us, we really want to see. Uh, sir, if you have a few moments, would you mind pausing and helping us to regain our sight? No, these men are, are desperate. 
Jesus! Help us see. They, they crutch so. They, they cry out with fervor. That's the word used here in Galatians chapter 4. It's a, it's a confident cry. You cry out loudly because you believe that God will hear. It's comforting to know that, that God is always ready and willing to hear and help. So you don't cry in a shame. You don't cry out, God, if you could, if you could see fit to get, show me some favor in this moment. No, it's, it, it's Abba, Father, help! It's a confident cry that God wants you to come to him, right? And listen to me, some of you are in this room and you don't truly believe that God wants you to come to him with your life with your concerns, with your troubles, with your trials. Some of you think, well, you know, God's so busy running the universe. He's not worried about my little corner of, of creation, and I'm not going to bother him with my stuff. He doesn't want to hear it. Wrong! If you're a Christian, you are his child. And he wants you to cry out, Abba, Father, with confidence that you know he'll hear you and respond. There are days when uh, I'll, I'll be at home around the kids and I'll hear, Dad, 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 watch this, Dad, I need this, Dad, 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 Dad. And if, go see your mother doesn't work. And they continue, dad, 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 dad. There are times that I've said as a dad, all right, just be, coming clean with you this morning. There have been times I've said, I don't want to hear dad at all right now. Stop saying dad. I have. I have. There have been times when I've said, I'm off duty. So whatever you need, don't call for dad right now. I'm off duty. I've said that before. Now, now listen. Aren't you glad that our Heavenly Father's not like that? He never says, I don't want to hear Dad right now. In fact, the exact opposite is true. Where the Spirit is working in us so that we will, from the depths of our being, cry out, crutzo. We will cry out, Abba, Father. He wants us to cry out, Abba, Father. God never says, listen, I'm off duty. Aren't you glad? He wants you to come to him with confidence that he cares, that he hears, that he will respond. So this cry is confident. And then fourth and last, as we think about this cry of adoption, this cry is amazing. Back in verse 6, because you are sons, God, God, everyone say God. God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, in that verse, Abba, Father, relates to the earlier term, God. The, the Abba, Father, the one we're crying out to is our God, the one true God, the God of the universe. So here's what that means. If you are a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, when you cry out, Abba, Father, now listen, you are addressing the God who simply spoke 
and the universe leapt into existence. That's who you're talking to. And it gets even better. Not only are you crying out to the God of the universe, the God of the universe turns his ear to listen. Think about that. He inclines his ear to hear you and respond to you when you say, Abba, Father. That is absolutely breathtaking that that is available to you and to me that we can call the God of the universe Abba Father theologian Wayne Grudem writes certainly it is true that God is our creator our judge our Lord and master our teacher our provider and protector and the one by who by who by his providential care sustains our existence but the role that is most intimate And the role that conveys the highest privileges of fellowship with God for eternity is his role as our heavenly father. I wonder this morning if you've gotten over the amazement that because Jesus died on the cross for your sins, because he rose from the grave, because he washed away your sins, because he reconciled you to a holy God, because he freed you so you could become a child of God? Have you gotten over the wonder that now you can call the God of the universe Abba, Father? Have you lost that wonder? Have you lost that amazement you see the 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 idea of adoption is not just a doctrine to believe but it's an it's important doctrine and we ought to believe with all of our hearts it is a reality listen to be experienced where daily we get to walk with him and and talk with him and bring our burdens before him and and cry out to him and cry to him and experience his presence and comforting peace. That's all available because of Jesus. And it is amazing. So here's what I want you to walk away with this morning. We'll be through. We experience our adopted status as the Spirit of God assures within, and then we cry out to God as Abba Father. Tomorrow, tomorrow, next week, next month, as the Spirit of God does His work within, can I encourage you to cry out more? To cry out and experience the joys of adoption.